Welcome to the Build Your Own Table podcast. I'm your host, Nakia Gray, intellectual property attorney, business coach, author, wife, momager, and biz bestie. I know that creating and leveraging intellectual property is how the wealthiest people in the world acquired their wealth, and I believe it's how you should too. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring and motivating women, particularly women of color, to tap into their own creative genius and use it to create, protect, and monetize their intellectual property so they can build wealth through entrepreneurship. My guests and I are going to share our stories of how we got tired of waiting for someone to give us a seat at the table, so we built our own. If you're tired of shrinking to fit into spaces that weren't designed for you, you're in the right place. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. Today's edition of Money Making Mondays. I am your host, Nakia Gray, and I am so excited. First of all, I am wearing my pink because it is Valentine's Day. So I want to say happy Valentine's Day to you. Hopefully you are finding some love um, and you are receiving love, you're giving love, and you've just got love all around you, okay? This is definitely one of my favorite holidays and one of my favorite topics. I am so excited to talk today about Zelda Barber Win Valdez. That is who we're going to be talking about today in continuing our celebration of Black History Month and honoring and celebrating and highlighting all of these Black women who have done so much um, to uh, contribute to our country and to society, really. Um, and so I'm excited to talk about um, about Ms. Valdez. So first, let me just tell you, in, in case you don't know this about me. Um, I, of course, everyone knows that I'm a lawyer, but being a lawyer is actually my second career. So prior to going to law school, I graduated from University of Maryland Eastern Shore with a, um, a business degree in marketing. And I was in the fashion industry. I was an assistant buyer and then a buyer for a major department store for many years before I left that and decided to go to law school really because for one I kind of always knew that I wanted to go to law school but just kind of didn't want to do it <laughs> and I thought you know okay I've done four years of undergrad this was I graduated from college during the Clinton administration and, it, and if you know anything about the 90s it was a good time it was the time to be alive <laughs> the economy was great um, the dot-com you know the internet was new and jobs were plentiful, people were paying a lot of money, and so I wanted to get in there and make some money. I didn't really want to go to law school. Then September 11th happened in 2001, and the economy changed and everything changed. In fact, the department store that I was working for um, ended up uh, Go, not go well they went out of business they merged with another company and everybody had to move to either New York or to California and for me that just was not possible so there was really no way for me to stay in the fashion industry so I had this little uh, this little word in my ear saying you know you're supposed to go to law school you know you're supposed to go to law school so I ended up going back to law school so I say all that to say that is a big part of why I am excited to talk about Miss Valdez because as someone who kind of came up in that, you know, that the fashion world, I had heard about her um, and I had heard about her, you know, um, her designs and, and, and things like that. But of course, now that I am older 
and and just such a geek about business and branding and all of those things. And and so now when I look at her story and I did of course a lot more research into her story and her life, I'm like, "Oh my god, I love her and I and I I need to highlight her." And I really have been choosing in doing this. I've been making sure to choose people that I think that maybe other people haven't necessarily heard about, which is why, you know, we started off with uh, Madam C.J. Walker and a lot of people had heard about her, but didn't really know her story. So I want to talk about Zelda Barber Wynn Valdez. So first of all, let's just start with the fact that she was born in the early 1800s. Okay. Um, and she, her grandmother was a seamstress. So she kind of came up in, um, in that fashion space and saw her grandmother doing designs and things like that. And her family moved to White Plains and she had an uncle who had a, uh, a tailoring shop. And so she start. that's kind of where she started, um, doing her, her own thing. Um, she had a, a couple of jobs and it didn't work out. I think many of us can relate to that. And so, you know, she started, she opened her own shop and she was just impeccable. She was really um, very well known, made a great name for herself and all of black, and I would say Hollywood, but all of the, all of the elite black women who were in um, fashion, uh, arts, entertainment, music in the industry, everyone wanted a design from her. Like she was that, she, she was that woman. Okay. And so she went on to have a very successful career, open her own store, um, and then expanded, opened another store. And she's very, very well known for, um, being the designer to, to design the first Playboy bunny outfit. And she, Hugh Hefner handpicked her, the Hugh Hefner, um, handpicked her and asked her to create this design. And the, and the reason was because she had done something in fashion that hadn't been done. She was really um, at the forefront of, of, of sexy dresses and, you know, accentuating women's curves and their physiques. And, you know, um, she's known for being the, the creator or the inventor of the very first Freakum dress, which I thought was just really cool. And to think about, you know, that time, like what life must have been like um, when she was there. She opened her own store in 1948. I mean, 1948 in New York. Um, so to me, it's like, wow, you know, she, she really had done um, very well for herself. And, and, and to me, I just can only imagine the confidence that you must have in your ability to um, to be this change maker and to disrupt an entire industry. And so for me, I, that that is just what really piqued my interest to learn more about her. So I have, I try to keep this to three, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people and you'll hear this a lot when you, when you hear me teach or to talk, I try to give three points because three is easy to remember. So I try to do everything in threes. But there's so much to learn from Ms. Valdez that I had to give you all five. So I'm going to give you five tips that I think we can all um, take from her in her business. Okay, so number one is to find an unmet need and make some noise. I love this about her because she could have easily become a seamstress uh, just like her grandmother who made just the average you know, I would imagine in the in the 40s, you know, church wear, things that, w that women were wearing to work or church or, or what have you. But she saw 
that most of the other designers were creating their designs based on women who were tall, slender, small, and no curves. So that meant women, like many black women, had no place to get these these elaborate, gorgeous gowns. And so I love that. Like You know, when in your business, whatever it is that you do, the sweet spot is finding those people, that group of people that isn't being served, right? So ask yourself that question. Um, if you are new to or thinking of starting a business and and you're thinking about what industry or who, who what is it that you're going to do, that's a great place to start. Like what's not being done, right? If you're already in business and you're either bored with it or not making the money that you thought you would be making, or maybe it's time to pivot, or maybe it just doesn't really align with you or serve you, that's a great place as well. For me, when I um, decided to, you know, ditch uh, doing uh, litigation and I decided to, to come and do you know, what I do now, serving entrepreneurs, I'll be honest, I didn't pick that. I didn't wake up one day and say, you know what I want to do? I want to serve entrepreneurs. That's not what happened. I was like, I need out of here <laughs> and I need to have freedom. So I need an online business. So I was enrolled in an online business program and I just so happened to see all of the questions and all of the struggles that people in the program were having and they didn't have a lawyer that they could go to. So it was like, oh, that's my business right there, right? So that those are like, that's the sweet spot. And so I want to encourage you to find that unmet need. Who is that group of people that is um, that's not being served? What frustrations do you already have in your industry, right? Um, for me, I wasn't in my industry at that time. I am now. But at the time that I started my business or made my pivot, I should say, um, at the time that I made my pivot, I, I didn't really know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea, but I was able to find it by looking at who are, where can I be in a lane by myself? Where's the lane I can create? And that's what Zelda did, right? She said, okay, for all of you curvy women who still want to be sexy and go to the cotton club and the speakeasies and all the things that were happening at that time and you want to look nice you need a design for me okay and so that is um that is what i loved about about her um here's a here's another thing and i just learned this in doing my research this time because i really knew about her design work um and and what she did back in the 40s and 50s but i didn't know this so in 19 i think it's 1970 in 1970 she started designing costumes for the dance theater of harlem and even there right even there she was able to be innovative and to find that unmet need so she is the person who started who had this genius idea to dye the tights to match the skin tone of the dancers because for before that black ballet dancers who were who were um in the dance theater of harlem had to wear pink tights on their brown skin because no one thought, you know, and, and and let's be clear, those pink tights were 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 designed to match the flesh, the white dancers. Okay, so Valdez comes in and says, "Well, 
that looks weak. I can only imagine how weird that would look. I, I can't even imagine me my, at my skin tone wearing pink tights. And so, like, that's 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 genius. So she's still looking for ways to make people feel inclusive and to feel sexy and to be proud of, you know, all the work that they were doing as dancers. And so, um, so that's strategy number one is to find that unmet need and make some noise. Let those people who are not being served know that you've got something for them. Okay. Number two is to invest in your business. Now, I didn't find a lot of information about her investments, but I can, I, I think that we can, we can definitely deduct from what we have that she was not afraid to invest in her business. Okay. 1948. Okay. So let's just think about what, what the climate, what the right, racial climate was like in that time in this country. And she opened her own shop on Broadway. Okay. Broadway. So we all know what Broadway looks like today and how much it costs, I can only imagine, to rent um, commercial space. And so she could have easily stayed in Harlem or did it from her house, but she knew that she wanted to be this big name and she wanted to make some noise in the industry. And so I can only imagine that she invested a lot to do that. The other part of it that is really impressive um, is that two years later, just two years later, she moved to a bigger space in Midtown. So that investment that she made paid off because that is where people got to know her. She was, I, I can imagine there was lots of foot traffic. Just think if she wants to be in the entertainment industry, for all of those people that were performing on Broadway, they were probably walking right by her shop. And so, um, so I love that, you know, so, so strategy number two is invest, invest in your business. And when I say invest in your business, make decisions about your business, the business that you're building, not where you are today. So I can imagine if we were to have Miss um, Zelda here with us, she would say, I didn't have the money. I didn't know where the money was going to come from to open a, a store in Manhattan, but I knew that that's where I wanted to be. I knew that's where I needed to be uh, because otherwise that's, that's where Dorothy Dandridge and Ella Fitzgerald, that's where they found her. And so she made that decision to invest in her business. And I think that that is like definitely uh, point number two. Okay. Number three is to create a system and duplicate yourself. We talked about this a little bit with um, Adam C.J. Walker. And so when, 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 when Zelda moved in 1950 to the bigger shop um, in Midtown, she hired her sister who worked as her assistant and she hired nine hired. And I'm, I'm adding this. This is Nakia adding this hired and trained nine seamstresses to help produce what she all the, all of the the dresses that she was being hired to do that tells a lot right so there had to be a system for how she did what she did because otherwise it it will, it will make it so frustrating for you to duplicate yourself if you don't have a system if you can't say first you do this then you do this then you do this this is how I do this so she did that and that my friends, is intellectual property, which you know Nakia loves to talk about because that is how you're able to scale. Because she had a system, she taught other people how to do it, and now she can, because think, financially, you she can only make so many dresses. She can only make so many dresses. 
So having that um, system allowed her to expand and I, and I can only imagine how big this second store was. I didn't um, see a lot of, of, of uh, pictures and images online about the, the store and what it looked like, but I can only imagine if you got nine people in there and you're in Midtown, it was probably a very nice, beautiful um, store. Okay, point number four is to know your worth. Now, this is probably my favorite one of all. And, and, and I think this is probably a fact. I definitely didn't know this before and probably the most shocking thing that I found out about, about Zelda Valdez. Her pricing. In fact, let, let's just play a game really quick. Drop in the comments. <laughs> and if you're watching this on a replay, um, still do it because I just want to know what you th what you think. How much do you think one of her design couture gowns would cost. I want you to just drop that in, in the comment. Okay, so let me, and, and let me tell you, if I were to take a guess and I was, okay, we're talking the 1950s and 60s, okay? What do I think a, a, a nice designer gown would have cost? I would have said mm, $200, $100, $200 for a nice designer gown. Let me tell y'all about Sister Valdez, okay? Sister Valdez was charging just below $1,000 in 1948 and the 50s and the 60s for her gowns. Now, you tell me she don't know her worth. She knew that what she, what she was creating for them, they could not get it anywhere else. So what did they have to do? Find the money and pay her. <laughs> okay? Because other designers were not we're not designing dresses that would make them look and feel like these sexy, beautiful goddesses that they were. I love this about her. Like, I absolutely love this about her. I can't even imagine. I can't. First of all, I and I have spent I spent a lot of money on a lot of things. I have never paid a thousand dollars for a dress. And it's 2022. <laughs> so I can't even imagine how much money that was in the 40s and 50s and 60s which to me i ju that just makes me love her even more <laughs> it makes me love her even more okay so that is point number 4 is to know your worth when you when you when you implement strategy number 1 which is to find the unmet need and to make some noise you can demand premium pricing because you're in the lane all by yourself when you're when you're when you copy or duplicate what someone else is doing then you're going to be always tied to them and compared and people are going to always compare your pricing with their pricing Ms. Zelda said no 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 I'm not doing none of that okay a thousand dollars was what her her designs were to me I love it I love that and I love that for us um as especially as women and and particularly women of color I want us to do that. Know your work. You are bringing a lot to the table. And so people need to, to pony up and pay for that. Okay. So point number five. And I and I left this one for last because it really builds on all, on all of the other four. Is to share your gifts. Share your gifts. And all of these actually work together when you think about it. We've already talked about one and how finding the unmet need and making some noise definitely um, lends itself to knowing your worth and, and having um, the premium pricing. But sharing your gifts. So here's what I loved about her. She was a giver. She taught 
hundreds of thousands of students in Harlem how to sew. She had sewing programs. She was the very first president of the National Association of Fashion and Designers. They had a New York chapter. She became the president in 1950. That's only two years after she opened her store. Now, for all of us that are entrepreneurs, we know those first two years are a lot. But she still was committed to making sure that other black designers knew their worth and wouldn't be stuck in these positions of, you know, working for someone or just being, you know, um, a tailor. She really wanted to help them to build a career. And that's exactly what she did for many, many years. Okay. Uh, but, but I want to say the reason why number five is it's not a standalone is that all of these other things really have to be in place for you even to have the ability, the time, or the money to do it. If you are not charging enough or, or doing everything yourself, when, when someone asks for you to come and speak to some kids or speak to some other people who, who want to learn how to do what you do or to be a mentor, you don't even have the capacity to do that, okay? <laughs> you do not have the capacity to do that. And so that's why you have to have the system so that you can duplicate or 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 create you know you and you can duplicate with people or with intellectual property and you've heard me talk about that you don't have the ability to do that when you are the only person who knows how to do what you do and the only way your business makes money is if you do it so if if miss zelda was the only designer or the only seamstress in her store when they call when the call came to be the president of the new york chapter she probably would have had to say no i can't i've got this many orders i've got to fill i've got to do that you know she wouldn't have been able to do that when, when they asked her to teach kids how to sew she probably would have had to say no okay so that's why that one goes with every you know it kind of builds on each of them okay so before we go i want to i'll just do a brief rundown of them again Strategy number one is to find an unmet need and make some noise. Create the lane that you can dominate. Number two is to invest in your business. Invest in the business. Make decisions today for the business that you want to have in three years, five years, ten years. Okay. Strategy number three is to create a system and duplicate yourself. And you can duplicate yourself either by hiring other people or by creating intellectual property that works for you. That, that's the best. That's the game changer. Okay. Number four is to know your worth and don't be afraid. Know your worth and add tax. I saw, I saw that on social media. I love that. Know your worth and add tax. And then number five is to share your gifts. And all of us have a responsibility to reach back and teach the generation that is coming up behind us. And you can't do that if you are trading hours for dollars and barely making enough to cover um, your expenses, okay? So now I want you to tell me out of these five strategies, tell me in the comments, which one of these are you most excited about? Which one of these do, did you hear and you said, mm, that's the one that I, I wanna hone in on that one. Um, let me know in the comments. Let me know how you, what you think about this. And, and are you inspired by um, by Miss Valdez's story? I certainly am. And I am loving this series and I'm loving doing um, this work and finding these women that I think we can all take something from. And I can't wait 
for you to see who I have for you next week. Okay. So thanks so much for tuning in. Let me know in the comments out of these five strategies, which one are you most excited about? All right. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. And I will see you same time, same place next week. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to buildyourowntablepodcast.com to connect with me. I'm Nakia Gray. I'll see you next time.